Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. And here we are once again on another Saturday edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander here, Bunker de France over there. Over here, and you're over there. And you're over there. It's the month of June, and all silliness goes on. Actually, in uh, this this month, it's pretty important for uh, the Western community. Yeah, uh, tell us why. Well, because it's going to be the uh, the Western Riders of America are going to be holding their annual convention here in Tucson, the nineteenth uh, uh, through the twenty second of June, and we're going to be there. Yeah, we get to ha- get to hang out with the the hanger outers. Yeah, we're gonna be. We'll have a, a nifty little place set up there in the vending area, and, and we can uh, ambush them. And that's right. We'll, we'll kind of be like Geraldo. You, you can be Geraldo Rivera, and I'll be Walter Cronkite. Oh, good morning, Rivera. Mm-hmm. bringing you. I do. A, I do a better Cronkite than you do. You do a better Cronkite. Okay, well, that's, you Cronkite. The way, that's the way it is on this Saturday, June the eighth. 2020, 20, whatever the year it is. <laughs> well, Mr. Cronkite, all i got to say is we're going to open that strong box and find if, if Capone's whiskey bottle is really in there. That's right. Okay. <clears throat> now, on with the show. Uh, now the important stuff. The important stuff. Uh, because uh, it is the uh, uh, convention happening here in Tucson. and <clears throat> That's quite an honor, too. <clears throat> Pardon me. We are... Yeah, we, we're we're quite happy that this is happening, and uh, so as a result, <clears throat> we have some folks on uh, the show in the coming weeks that will. Uh, yeah, who's us, coming up? Well, coming up today is uh, a good friend of ours, Bill Markley. Looking forward. He is a member of the Western Riders of America. He's a staff writer also for WWA's Roundup magazine. Good He's magazine. written three nonfiction books and also writes for True West, Wild West, and South Dakota magazines. I guess he has no spare time. He earned a master's degree. And in, all the books he's writing. I know. A master's degree in environmental engineering. He's worked in uh, Antarctica. Two times. Two mm-hmm. expeditions. Yeah. And currently works for the South Dakota Department of Environmental and Natural Resources. Raised on a farm near Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, Bill has always loved history. He does reenact uh, Civil War infantry and frontier cavalry, and he's participated in movies including Dances with Wolves, Far and Away, and Gettysburg. Bill and his lovely wife Liz live and work in Pierre, South Dakota, where they have raised two children, now grown. And a pack of dogs. And a pack pack of dogs. So on the horn with us is our good friend Bill Markley. Bill, how you doing, sir? Hey, good. Thanks for having me on your your show. Um, I'm going to have to update my resume because I've been retired a few years. <laughs> well, yes, you it's, have. It's on, it's on my side of my papers here. But see, <clears throat> Harry and me, we work from different sources, so yeah. we come up with different results. Usually mine are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yeah, I, I please don't have me back yeah. working again. So, <laughs> uh, Well, you know, if it... If, yeah, I, I get the sense of the, your Department of Environmental and Natural Resources is similar to a park service, right? Or is it just a, no, a, no, it's no, it's the environmental agency. So uh, if whenever there was a you know a spill or a leak or something like that, we were on it to get it cleaned up. So uh, you never knew it was going to happen twenty four seven. Our park service always something. Yeah, when I worked in somebody's uh, always building something crazy. So yeah, um, <laughs> when I worked for the Florida Park Service, it was we were under the umbrella of <clears throat> the uh, natural resources folks, and so uh, I guess that's why I was asking that question. <laughs> now, yeah, was that, yeah, was that for state, the state yeah, or the state, federal? State, state, state. That was state. Oh, is that state or federal? That's state. It was state. Oh, okay. State. But, you know, I'm thinking like state, state department or something. You know. Yeah, right. I, mean, I don't know. 
All right. Bill's got a number of books out. Uh, in fact, he's got a new one coming out shortly that we'll talk about. Uh, but uh, let's see. Let me run them by here. Uh, this is out of 2011, American Pilgrim. It's a post-September 11th bus trip and other tales of the road. Uh, then from you know, t- Let's stop for a second on that one. Yes. Because <clears throat> I th- I think I'd like to hear Bill talk about that, how that came about, because I read a little bit about what it what 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 in what went into it uh what started basically as an innocent bus trip turned into really kind of like a lifetime experience could you talk about that a little bit bill oh, yeah it was um uh kind of a crazy experience it was just a couple of weeks after 9-11 and uh <clears throat> i had a uh, i uh graduated from virginia tech and i was living out here in pure south dakota and i was going back for uh a reunion back there and uh of course travel right after 9-11 was kind of crazy and uh especially from flying and so i decided to take the public bus system well to make a long story short because it's a long story and that became a book <laughs> um <laughs> the day i was supposed to leave the day i was supposed to leave a, a croatian slit the throat of a um Greyhound bus driver wow. and like 10 people got killed on this bus. It was in uh, you know, Tennessee or whatever. Hmm. Threw the whole bus system out of whack because everybody thought it was, it was possibly another terrorist attack on the country. And so the bus whole system was out of whack and it was like, you know, will I make the bus next bus or not? So uh, I talk about the people on the bus and uh, the mood of the country at the time was um, very patriotic. I mean, it, it wasn't a, you know, a sappy kind of patriotism or anything. It was like, we're all looking out for each other, whether you're Republican or Democrat or whatever mm-hmm. race you are, or nationality or whatever. I mean, it was like everybody, we're all Americans, we're in this together, we're going to take care of ourselves. And uh, so I, I wrote about that, that whole experience. And I mean, you could just see it on the bus and through the communities that you went through. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like so, a fascinating yeah, that's read. Well, let me ask you, you know. Well, I, uh, let me get, let me get the rest of the books oh, okay. squared away here first. Uh, from 2005, Up the Missouri River with Lewis and Clark. From August 2001, it was uh, the Dakota Epic, Experiences of a Reenactor during the filming of Dances with Wolves. And I believe we had you on the show when Emil was still with us to talk about that particular book um, many, many, uh, many yeah. moons back. <laughs> Uh, we've right. got, well, not uh, that many. <laughs> many moons yeah. ago. We've also got another one here from Bill Deadwood, Dead Men, and that's from that September two, 2013. Then uh, the that's one that's the fiction. <clears throat> then he, the one that he wrote with uh, Colin Cutsforth, uh, the Old West Showdown. That's from uh, October of last year, 2018. <clears throat> and in fact, we had them both on. That was at, a two-parter. That was a two-parter because there was so doggone much to talk about. That's right. That was so interesting. Yeah. And the one that we're going to be talking about today is Wyatt Earp and Bat Masterson, Lawmen of the Legendary West. And uh, Bill's got another one coming out in October of this year. Billy the Kid and Jesse James, oh, Outlaws of the Legendary West. Billy the Kid part. That's yep. that's my roots. Yeah, so we'll be anxious to review that one too, Bill, <laughs> and have you on the show for that Great. one. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we're yeah gonna you make, bet. Um, we're make you a regular. While we're on a roll, uh, they, they've got me doing a series now of uh, these you know, legendary characters from the Old uh-huh. West, so I'm currently working on um, <clears throat> Geronimo and Sitting Bull, Ooh. and then after that I'll be doing doing Wild Bill and Buffalo Bill side nice. by side, so, uh, so it's well, keeping me busy, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Let me think here. I was looking for something on my notes, and I can't read my own notes. Well, let me let me uh, keep doing, keep talking. Let me introduce what this book is about: Wyatt Earp and Bat Masterson, Lawmen of the Legendary West. Uh, So, the 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 tease goes: Which lawman did the most to tame the frontier, Bat Masterson or Wyatt Earp? Neither of them was a saint. At times, their actions were not in compliance with the law, and they only served as peace officers for limited portions of their lives. So what sets them apart from the thousands of sheriffs and marshals who served on America's frontier? Did they make more arrests than others? Did they kill large numbers of men? Did they lead adventurous lives? (laughs) Was it their character? Was it just the right ring to their names that led people to remember them? Did they get the right publicity at the right time? Did they just outlive all others? 
Or was it a combination of these factors? Time novels. This joint biography reveals the intersection of their legacies and attempts to answer the questions about their place in the story of the West. So lots of questions there, Bill. Um, First question. Yeah, first question. You know, one of the things I really liked about the book is your illustrator. I loved his, I loved uh, Jim Hartzell. 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 And I, you guys go way back. I guess you worked together on a picture, one or two pictures. But uh, what I loved about his artwork is the clothes are all ill-fitting, which is the way it was back then. You know, there was a series on uh, Dead Man's Gun, mm-hmm. and the most fascinating about the series was that the wardrobe was, the collars were frayed, uh, clothes were loose or too tight. It the way it really was, and that's the way his artwork is, and his great illustrations. Next time you talk to him, tell him I, I fell in love with his artwork. I, I will. I will definitely tell him that Jim. Jim's a great guy, and he's really into the detail of uh, the time period. You know, what were people wearing? You know, in a specific year, for instance. Uh, you know, what kind of guns were they carrying? Um, he gets. You know, you know, what was the the saddles and the tack looking like? And uh, he wow. gets. Right into the the detail there, and he's worked on uh, oh man a massive amount of movies out there, and um, has mm. he's an expert in clothing and accoutrements and everything else. So um, yeah, I was real. Ha- Jim and I have gone back. We met on the set of Dances with Wolves, and um, and I thought, man, if I could get him to to illustrate this book, and then we collaborated together on the illustrations. I mean, we. We'd sit down for hours and, uh, mm. you know, go over, okay, how is this guy going to be positioned? And then he actually even went out and hired some models to uh, to reenact some of these poses. Nice. So, um, yeah, nice. thanks. I'll, t- I'll tell him. Yeah, well, we, they could almost be stills from a movie. Yeah, tell, tell him we need to have him on the show, too. Give him my email address and uh, oh, have him get in touch sure. with me. because. We love those kinds of little idiosyncrasies or whatever uh, about that sort of thing because nobody really addresses any of that sort of thing. No. And those inquiring minds want to know, and we want to know. <laughs> so, what do we want? Sure. To know? We want yeah. to know all about uh, all about those illustrations, uh, the the correct the correct firearms for the period, the correct clothing for the period, uh, those kinds of. That's things. one of the neat things about this. I made all yeah. kinds of little notes in the book here. Uh, and it was about wasn't about Bat and Wyatt. It was about <laughs> the, the environment. No, yeah. it was about the environment and 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 the different things and just because it, it helps you understand what these who these guys were, what they were living in, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things which let me let me let me ask you about this, Bill, because I have a theory that one of the reasons the two of these guys were great lawmen, and why also a whole bunch of the guys from that era were great lawmen was because they were buffalo hunters because they learned the land they learned they learned what you had to do to survive and they also learned to be dead shots and you know not get flustered or or, hmm. or excited when a situation went wrong right and and maybe you uh, you know figured that out you know during uh, you know Wyatt and Bat's buffalo hunting days that um, you know you had to be a cool character especially if yeah. You know, there are some, you know, uh, Indians coming on, and are they friend or foe? Or, and, of course, then tracking down, you know, criminals, um, you know, if they're they're heading west, uh, where's a likely place that they would, um, mm-hmm. you know, cross a particular stream or something like that, you know, figure it out and get there before them, you know. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think knowing the lay of the land was um, yeah, really important to, to be a good lawman. Mm-hmm. And, and who started uh, doing the law first? Was it Wyatt or was it Bat? Um, I mean, they did was, not. Well, they did not necessarily go out I, and seek Wyatt, those jobs. It was, yeah, it was Wyatt. They kind of started, you know, about the same time. But Wyatt started a little bit earlier than Bat mm-hmm. did. Yeah, Bat started buffalo hunting earlier, though, by a couple of years. And and, and the, the two of them also. Uh, worked together for a brief time in Abilene or Dodge? In Dodge City. Dodge um, they they met Buffalo. Actually, they first met Buffalo hunting, and then um, 
and then yeah they worked in dodge city together and then uh why yeah. well uh that was that was the uh sheriff of the county and and uh wyatt worked for the city police uh force mm-hmm. in dodge city and then and then Wyatt, you know, headed down the, uh, wound up in Tombstone, and uh, when Bat ran for re-election, he lost, and uh, Wyatt invited him down to Tombstone, so uh, to to run a Faro game down there. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the interesting things of the differences between the two of them. Uh, Wyatt, all of his jobs were appointed. Uh, Bat actually was elected a couple of times. To f- fill the positions that he ran for, which seems to mean that right. uh, Bat was the more likable of the of the two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want I want to I want to read something here because I think it sets everything up so well. It's your Theodore Roosevelt, the man in the arena speech. It's an excerpt from it, and mm-hmm. it's just so great. Unless you have it there and want to read it, I'll go ahead and read it. No, no, go ahead. Okay, it is not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no greater effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds who knows great enthusiasm, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows the end, the triumph of a high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, to that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never knew victory or defeat. Mm. And I think that... It so aptly describes these two gentlemen and many of the other lawmen of the West. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's it, right, and that's exactly why I put it there in the front because uh, it really it fits those two guys to a T. And you know, Roosevelt, <clears throat> Roosevelt and Masterson uh, knew each other. In fact, uh, Theodore, uh, you know, had him appointed a uh, you know. Um, Deputy Marshal in New York City later in life there when mm-hmm. he was president. So, All right, we're at that point where we need to uh, do our, our first commercial break. We are talking with WWA, and that's Western Writers of America author Bill Markley about his latest book, Wyatt Earp and Bat Masterson, Lawmen of the Legendary West. If you'd like to get in on this conversation, it's pretty doggone easy to do. Just pick up your horn, push 844 844- 908-WEST, 844-908-9378, and that'll connect you right here with us. Bill, I'll put you back into queue there so you can hear the commercials and when we do come back. So we'll be doing that and come back with our uh, rest of our program right after these very important messages. Do not, I repeat, do, do not, not go away. <laughs> as Marshal Dan Troop and Peter Brown as Deputy Johnny McKay produced by Warner Brothers Emil Franzink's Voices of the West will be right back The Tucson Trap and Ski Club is one of the best-kept economic secrets in town. This 900-member group maintains one of the finest shotgun shooting ranges in the country, featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and sporting clays fields, and hosts national and international events that bring thousands of people and millions of dollars into our community. The Spring Satellite Grand American Tournament alone involves 1,200 participants for 10 days. Learn more about this and their other contributions to our community at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper run your business. Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. 
Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Tom, the host of the Movie Zealots podcast, and I'm inviting you to give the Movie Zealots podcast a listen. Every episode, my co-hosts and I review the latest box office releases, but there's more than simply just that. We also play games like the Alexa quote of the show and may the odds be ever in your favor and have a from the cutting room floor segment that is an open forum to discuss anything from our thoughts of a Netflix TV series to our experiences with movie subscriptions such as the AMC stubs or movie pass. So after finishing this podcast, please give the movies out podcast a listen. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google play. Simply search movies out until then. And that's a wrap. Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. Welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Indeed, my baby loves the Western movies. Bill, I wish you could have been here in the studio. <laughs> Harry was rocking out. I mean, his eyes were closed. He was swaying back. Oh, yeah. Or I thought he was having an out-of-body experience. You know, or... I almost played it when it was a hit. <laughs> It's a little bit older than I am, that tune is. The Olympics. And, uh, I'm older than it is. Yeah, well, you may. if you had been in radio, you may have been. No, you. That's uh, that came out in the 50s. Oh, yeah. yeah I was a teenager. I know you then. were. Yeah. I know you were. A happy teenager. Well. I was a dumb kid, but I was happy. <laughs> that's all that matters. We are talking with author Bill Markley. He's uh, uh, with the Western Writers of America, and that group is holding their convention uh, here in Tucson um, in about two weeks, June 19th through the 22nd. We will be there uh, broadcasting from the event and uh, talking with all kinds of people. There's no set schedule for this or anything like that. because They have a schedule, but they, we don't. We don't have any schedule, so we're just going to do it and, and uh, you know, the, whatever happens, happens, and whatever we do, it's going to get recorded as well. So if you missed and, it, and we'll come back it to haunt us, probably. Probably. <laughs> These things usually do. Uh, Bill's book, uh, Wyatt Earp and Bat Masterson, Lawmen of the Legendary West. So I guess we answered the question of what set them apart from the thousands of sheriffs and marshals. Who served on the American frontier? Yeah, we can I mean, spend yeah. a whole show on that. And, and obviously, we know that they both led adventurous lives. Uh, I mean, living out the old West was an adventure unto itself. Just I living, <laughs> would imagine. Yeah, living too. Living and dying. What kind of a character was uh, was Bat Masterson? You, you know, <clears throat> um, I, you know, spending. Oh man. Probably about, I guess it was about eight months putting together the book and researching and everything else like that. I, I really, you know, when you first start out, you really don't know too much about these guys. But as you dig into it, I, I really enjoyed Bat Masterson. I think he's the type of guy that I'd like to sit down and have a beer with and mm-hmm. uh, just Double. hear him tell his tales. Um, he was a practical joker. They were always pulling tricks on people and. And Wyatt was a little more somber, but once in a while, Bat would, you know, get Wyatt involved in, in uh, you know, some of the practical jokes he'd play on people and that sort of thing. But, I, you know, um, Bat was just kind of a fun-loving guy. And, uh, you know, the newspapers started saying that he, you know, killed something like 24 men, you know, and uh, which he hadn't, uh, maybe at the most possibly two. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, he said, well, don't you, 
don't, don't you worry about these people telling these tall tales about you? And he said, oh, it doesn't matter. It's not really hurting me at all, so let him go. You know? So um, he uh, just enjoyed life. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things I really enjoyed about the book is, is I, love, I love the bibliography and the notes. And I'll tell you what, you may have set a record here on some of the notes. But... <laughs> One of, the, one of the great things, which I thought was really bold on your part... Bunker just came back from the library after researching all of the notes in Biblio that you did Actually, there. Actually, I did, yeah. And, but, you know, one of the things that uh, I thought was really bold is your use of Stuart Lake mm. for material because, you know, Stuart has become almost as controversial as the OK Corral itself. Mm-hmm. And and I liked, I liked what you said in your explanation about why you used him and maybe you could tell the folks out there listening uh, why you used him and maybe bring a little more respect back to Stuart. Well, uh, yeah. I, I, and what happened with him was he, he did sit down and have interviews with Wyatt, and uh, they corresponded back and forth and started putting things together, and then Wyatt dies. You know, he's gone. Mm-hmm. And so Stuart Lake then puts everything together, um, you know, based on his notes and, and conversations. And the thing that he did um, that really, well, he embellished, and he uh, created uh, conversations where, you know, from notes and that sort of thing. So it wasn't, you know, taking down what the actual conversation mm-hmm. was. And, mm-hmm. and I think today, and, and I think gratefully so, you know, we want to get to, I mean, today people want to get to what were the, you just give me the straight facts, you know, mm-hmm. don't embellish yeah. things, don't yeah. make it flowery and everything. But, you know, back in the day, people people did that. So if you can, you know, what I tried to do is go through and look and see <clears throat> what he was saying, how it matched the rest of, you know, what we know was going on at the time. And then if, if it fit, I used it. If I saw that it looked like it was kind of crazy, um, you know, I got rid of it. You know, for instance, in one of the... Um, one of the sidebars, I have different little segments in there of, of things that, that happen that are oh, that was separate neat, yeah. from the story. Mm-hmm. I have one on the Buntline special. <clears throat> now, you know, no one's ever found a Buntline special yet. And, but, you know, Stuart Lake was, he was sincere in looking for the Buntline special. In fact, you know, uh, writing letters to, um, you know, the Colt Manufacturing uh, asking them for the records for that particular gun. So, um, you know, like I said, maybe, <laughs> maybe someday somebody will find one, you know, shoved <laughs> on the top shelf of a ant shop yeah. or something, in Alaska, Alaska or wherever, yeah. you know. But, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's but, so um, interesting, too, because Winchester, or, or not Winchester, but Colt kept meticulous records. I mean, if somebody bought right. a gun and they had it engraved, they had the engraver, everything. I mean, they were meticulous. Well, that, would, and, would those have been lost in the fire, though? Well, probably, probably not, though, because, you know, they, they've, it's been researched very, very okay. well. The closest they can come to any research is that uh, apparently uh, Buntline wrote a letter to Colt about making some guns, oh, okay. but there's, no, there's never been no confirmation that he, if they ever did or that he ever ever bought them. The other thing, too, which uh, you didn't really get into, but uh, but Sadie also was a pain in the you-know-what for Stuart because <laughs> she kept saying, well, I don't want you to put that in there. It makes me look bad, and mm-hmm. if you do that, I'll take you to court. And that held up the publishing of the book for a while, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And it, it is, yeah, those types of things happen back in the day. Well, it still happens today. Yeah. You know, people don't want... You know the warts put out there. They just want the sure you know, the, the warts good stuff. Are so. Well, you know, the, in, in my family, the stories go that uh, my great granddad. Um, it's not a story; it's fact. He served at uh, Fort Huachuca during the Geronimo campaign um, uh, in 1886, and uh, uh, after his military service, went to Chicago. And apparently he used to pal around with Bat Masterson. Now, I don't know if that was in Chicago or if it was in New York. There's certain parts of the family history and stories that 
are not non-existent, well, so we have to know, kind of uh, fill in the blanks, as you it know, were. That's one of the things unique <laughs> about Bat Masterson is, one, he made friends everywhere he went. He did. But when he was in Chicago and also later in New York, he was very, very active in all the sporting events and yes. stuff that was going on, yes. promoting, uh, being part of it. And, you know, he had to, he, he had to really have more wider range of sure people yeah. than Earp did, even though Earp later on when he was in right. California right. with the movie industry met a few people. Yeah. But, yeah. Which I want to get into this too, Bill. I got you I got you here. Uh oh. You know, you mentioned in there <laughs> yeah, well, that you, you, know, you got you, you know had, Earp got in, he was in high society for a while out in California with some um, you know, with horse racing and and that sort of thing, and then he was, you know, he was selected to uh, referee that <clears throat> one, pri- you know, mm-hmm. prize fight. And, uh, yeah, very, very prominent. The, Fitzgerald, thrown yeah. the fight, and um, and so that really destroyed his reputation at, at yeah. that point. Mm-hmm. Didn't help. Well, you know, you mentioned in your book that you 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 had uh, nine movies uh, with Bat Masterson in them, and I found fourteen. <laughs> Now I'll, okay. I, I I will share them with you uh, when we have the uh, when they have the con- convention here, and but one of the ones I wanted to point out, which is, is really neat, is Wild Bill Hickok, 1923, uh, a fellow named Jack Garner played Bat, and a young whippersnapper snapper named uh, William S. Hart played Wyatt, <laughs> and uh, this is one of, this is one of the things to where. Uh, Wyatt knew Earp. I mean, Wyatt knew uh, Hart, mm-hmm. and was had high hopes that Hart would help get a movie made about him. You know, which yeah, yeah. Really yeah and at the end of the book, I, I have you know um, Hart, uh, you know, eulogizing um, you know both both yeah, yeah, Wyatt yeah. and and uh, back because they both lived uh and i think that's one of the things too they lived longer than most everybody else from the sure. from the frontier so that's yeah. another reason why um you know people remembered i mean back in the day people i mean bat was actually probably more uh nationally known than why it was originally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then later on um you know he he's kind of fallen from the the national scene i guess and um uh, wyatt's up there Kind of now, but now I think a lot of people are just kind of, kind of forgetting about who these people are. And and my book is, you know, I wrote it for the regular person to read. You know, it's it's probably not one of the great scholarly works of the world, but um, <laughs> I just want people to sit down and be able to, to you know, learn about these guys and and uh, you know, see what made them tick and and why they were important. Well, and that's a very important thing. We're talking with author Bill Markley, and uh, on his latest book, it is called Wyatt Earp and Bat Masterson Lawman of the Legendary West. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at Roman and Littlefield. Uh, so, uh, And if you lose that, uh, when you listen to our podcast and download the podcast, you will see a, a little thingy there, a, a, link, a link to... Uh, Find the book at Amazon because we like Amazon. So with that, we have to do our next break here, Bill. So hang on the line. We will be back with much more of Amo Franzi's Voices of the West right after this. Back when the West was very young, there lived a man named Masterson. He wore a cane and derby hat. They called him Bat, Batmaster Son. Emil Franzing's Voices of the West will be right back. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Polash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Polash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. First, contact the Paul Ash Management Company today 
at polashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Polash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats, but did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horses Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. As we recognize the service of America's men and women in uniform, let's also honor the families who sacrifice so much every day. Military families endure frequent deployments and separations. They carry on while their loved ones are sent into harm's way and wait patiently for their safe return. If you really want to honor a veteran, look for ways to support their families and thank them for their sacrifices. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. My name is Rudy Ramos. I played wind in season four of the High Chaparral. And I thank you for listening to Voices of the West. Welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. And here we are, back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Ryder coming. Right. <laughs> That's Bunker's line from uh, from High Chaparral. Ryder's coming. Ryder. Hey, I, wait a minute. Don Don Collier's Don, been sitting Don here Collier. real quiet. All right, let Don, Don in would you do the line for us? Ryder's coming. There you go. <laughs> We're talking <laughs> with Bannon, we, we got Ryder's coming, dang it. <laughs> We're talking with author Bill Barkley about his uh, latest tome, Wyatt Earp and Bat Masterson, Lawmen of the Legendary West. And if you would like to get uh, involved in our conversation here or ask Bill a question, you can certainly do so. All you have to do is uh, call 844-908-WEST, 844-908-9378. And dial one first. No, you don't have to dial one. Yes, you do. No, it's a toll-free number. But you still have to do it. You don't have to. I tried it, and he did it to me. (laughs) Maybe the phone company hates me. I don't know. That could be. It could be your phone. My food? <laughs> What's wrong with my food? Yeah, but, uh, you know, Bill, one of the things I really like about your book, and, and it's one of the things that makes books work for me, is, you know, everybody, we talk about the characters, but the real character is the backstory. And early on in there, you're talking about the Earp family and how they moved around. And it, this is, I just want to read a little section here. They were pioneers acquiring virgin land developing it into farmland, selling it at a profit, moving on to new undeveloped land and repeating the process. And that's one of the things, you know, when we, are, we look at our Western books, novels, and the movies, it's like they come, settle, and they, that's it. And that, that's been the story of America since they landed on the coast, east coast. It settled down for a while, get a few neighbors and move on, sell the place. And that's just what's what is so neat about your work, Bill. Is you know these little, uh, I guess I don't know what you call it, secondary information or background information, yeah. filler information. But it's so it's so important to telling a good story. 
Well, thank you. And I think that it's important for people to remember where we came from. I mean, why, why people are here in, in America, because uh, over in Europe, I mean, you didn't own land over there unless you're, you know, the, the lord of the land or whatever. And, uh, I mean, people didn't own land. And to come over to, to America, where you could go out and create your own farm and your own ranch and that sort of thing, I mean, that was unheard, that was unheard of in the world. And so I think people forget that, that you could, you know, it didn't matter who you were, it's what you made of yourself. And that's that's what our background is. We we're, we weren't the, you know, the rich and the famous over in Europe. We were the the people that had to get out. Well, that was kind of the yep. story of my grandfather Harry de France. He, he started out in Missouri, uh, ended in Pennsylvania, up in Idaho, had a farm and ranch up there. Ended down in the Hemet Valley, uh, you know, building houses and, and just. You know, doing what, doing exactly what you talked about the herbs doing. Now that, to me, that was just yeah. really neat. Well, it's surviving. <laughs> yeah, well, it's making a living for yeah. the family. Doing what you have to do. Well, here's yep, another exactly. another another piece here, which I thought, and again, it's along that same line. It's talking about when Wyatt went to work for the Union Pacific, and he says, put Wyatt in charge of his workhorses and mules plowing the prairie ahead of the tracks being laid. You know, all we hear about is the law officer. We don't hear about the buffalo hunter mm -hmm. and the fellow working for the railroads and driving freight wagons. Oh yeah, well, and when he he came, uh, Wyatt came to Deadwood, uh, eighteen seventy six, and um, in the fall, in, in the seventy seven, and uh, he didn't do any gunfighting or anything there. What he did was he hauled wood in the town for people to to burn the, in their stoves. So that, I mean, that's how he made his living that way. And he made a pretty good living hauling wood because he was one of the few people that had a wagon and a team of horses there at the time. Well, you know, that's so, so yeah, you do whatever he did to, to stay alive. Well, and we know that both of men were not exactly uh, virtuous, <laughs> should we say. But they were honorable. Uh, honorable, but uh, they did do things that uh, were, were skirting the law from time to time, even when they were lawmen. Well, you know, it's like, it's one of the scurriest things that they always lay on Wyatt is the the uh, prostitution thread that runs through his life mm -hmm. with his wives. And, you mm -hmm. know, and I think probably most of the lives, because... I, that was even, that was still common in New Mexico up into the '60s. Common law wives, because mm -hmm. they have a common law mm -hmm. wife that, law there. Did you uncover anything ab about Wyatt and Bat that we don't already know uh, in terms of uh, in what what their other lives might have been like? What their other what other lives may their have other, been like? You know, other, from oh. from the from the lawman point of view, you know when the Oh, we we know Matt. We well, know the Earp ran gambling houses and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I th I think if you if you asked them, hey, what was your uh, number one job? They they would have said, uh, you know, gambling, uh, Pharaoh deal, or you know, Pharaoh was the big game back in the day, and they ran Pharaoh tables and and did very well at it. I think they'd tell you that. The uh, lawman aspect was probably secondary to um, to their gambling businesses and their partnerships and, uh, with the various saloons. Supplementary income. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had they ran the the, the Faro games. Uh, you know, they contracted the, to run the the Faro operation in, in a particular saloon, and um, you know, it wasn't usually the saloon owner that ran the games that they would uh, rent out space to the pharaoh dealers to to do the work and that's why when um you know when wyatt was <clears throat> first in uh, tombstone he was you know running a uh, pharaoh operation there and when when uh bat lost his uh, uh sheriff job in in uh, kansas uh wyatt invited him down to you know run run the games for him so mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Well, you know. It's, so gambling, big time. Yeah. Uh, you know the the. I I I'm I, I'm still hung up on the the buffalo hunting ex part of their lives. To me, 
that's that's it's more fun and exciting to me than the lawmen is the stuff like that and then the stuff I learned about it like one of the fact that uh, because of the technology and the factories in the east it put a tremendous demand on buffalo hide mm-hmm. for the leather to run the belts and you know you, and you right. go in there, you go in here to you know to talk about like uh when they out of Apache uh, Wells, the uh, how many uh, thousands of hides you know that would be shipped to Dodge, uh, and the money that they made, they would make as much money selling the hides as with the cattle herds coming up for the industry of Dodge. They were they were almost equal in the industry of what they brought in income to Dodge. And those were that was those were great yeah. dollars uh, com- in you know yeah. compared. To today's dollars, and yeah, yeah. The uh, the industrial east and the the uh, in Europe, uh, they they couldn't get enough buffalo hides, to, as you said, to uh, make belts for their machines and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, it was it was big business, and and the buffalo hunting it was a I mean that was a tough, dirty, nasty job, um, you know, to to process the hides and everything to ship back. Yeah, that's one of the sad things. I, I love I love Gunsmoke, but that's one of the things that Gunsmoke did over the years. It made the buffalo hunters look like a bunch of uh, illiterate, rowdy drunks. That all they were good for was stink, being smelly, and and uh, chasing Miss Kitty around the Long Branch. Truth is a defense, yeah. <laughs> but they weren't that way. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, be- before I forget, can I can I throw a plug in here for? Sure. Um, of course. So, so um, we're we're going to be. Uh, I, be I belong to. There's uh, four of us that get together. We uh, Chris Entz, who I thought was going to call in, didn't. Yeah, we did too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she's put together a group, and we're called the Most Intrepid Author Posse, and we're going to be coming down a week before um, uh, the the Western Writers Convention. And um, if I can give you the schedule real quick, you certainly we're going to be. Um, Please grab my pen here. Thursday. Yeah, uh, Thursday, June thirteenth, we're going to be at the Desert Caballeros Western Museum in Wickenburg oh, from okay. eleven to one p.m. And then uh, Friday, June fourteenth, we're going to be at—I've uh, never been here before—but the Coil Creek Country Club in Green mm-hmm. Valley. That's um, nice. For nine That's to nice eleven. Nice, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Good. And then look up, Saturday, look up June Scott 15th, Dyke when you're down there. Uh, we're going to be. Saturday, June fifteenth, we're going to be at the Public Library in Sierra Vista from six thirty to eight p.m. And then um, Monday, June seventeenth, we'll be at the uh, Pinnacle Peak Steakhouse in Ooh. Tucson from five to seven. And then on my own, I, I went rogue um, on Saturday, June fifteenth. I'm going to be at the Tombstone Courthouse from one to three thirty. Um, uh, and I'll have, of course, uh, you know, the Wyatt and Bat book there for that. And then on my way home, I'm going to stop off in Dodge City and uh, be uh, signing books at the Boot Hill Museum on Tuesday, June 25th from 10 to 1 p.m. So um, we're not just kind of laying back in the weeds. We're, <laughs> you, <laughs> we're working. Your automobile must have a bunch of miles on it. <laughs> Uh, hey, Bill, could you could you repeat the uh, courthouse date and time again for me? At Tombstone, June seventh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. At, uh, yeah, the, the, I'll be at the Tombstone Courthouse uh, Saturday, June fifteenth, from one thir- one to three thirty p.m. Okay. All right, we yeah. are coming down to the. Uh, well, not to the end of the show. We still got some time here, but we got to do that, that very last commercial break. <clears throat> so uh, uh, put you back in that queue there, Bill, and we'll be back with much more of Abel Francie's Voices of the West right after these very important messages. Voices of the West will be right back. 
Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond checking stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Hi, this is Joe Montaigne. Every time my Uncle Willie tells me about his service in Patton's Third Army in World War II, I'm reminded of what we owe the U.S. Army. Fourteen generations of American soldiers who have courageously defended our nation. Their stories represent the best of America and should never be forgotten. Join me to help build the National Museum of the United States Army, a long overdue tribute to all American soldiers. To learn more, visit armyhistory.org. Besides bringing millions a year into this community with national and international events, the Tucson Trap and Skeet Club at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway services the local shooting sports community with a 380-acre site featuring trap, skeet, five stand, and two sporting clays fields, as well as a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, which all is available to local shooters, and soon an archery range. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com or take a drive out west of town and see it for yourself. New members or single-day use, welcome. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Tom, the host of the Movie Zealots podcast, and I'm inviting you to give the Movie Zealots podcast a listen. Every episode, my co-hosts and I review the latest box office releases, but there's more than simply just that. We also play games like the Alexa quote of the show. And may the odds be ever in your favor. And have a From the Cutting Room Floor segment that is an open forum to discuss anything from our thoughts of a Netflix TV series to our experiences with movie subscriptions such as the AMC Stubs or MoviePass. So, after finishing this podcast, please give the Movie Zealots podcast a listen. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. Simply search Movie Zealots. Until then, that's a wrap. Old Western Radio Theater every Saturday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time only on the Voices of the West. B.O.W. Radio. Welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. We are back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, and uh, and long may his story be told. And long may his story be told. <laughs> you know, Bill, there's a in reading in here. There's a, a piece in here uh, about Adobe Wells that was kind of a John Ford moment for me. Uh, that's when they the uh, Cheyenne and the Comanche were were sieging the the buffalo hunters there, and I'll just read this because it, it, you just, you say it much better than I could. And this is the Comanche. They said, Some tried to batter down the door by backing their horses into it, while the hunters pushed back on the other side to hold it. You know, having spent a life in the movies, I, that, I'm thinking, man, what a great scene that would be in the, in the movie. You know, a Cheyenne warrior backing his horse into the doorway and Bat and, and uh, the boys pushing back on the other side. Yeah. Wow. John Ford would have loved that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think of, think of that scene. I mean, the intense moment of that, because, I mean, that horse is a powerful animal. And it's gonna bust that door down, and those guys are pushing back. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's pretty pretty intense, I think. But, um, that's, that's what yeah. makes stuff um, work for me, I, and it's what makes this book special. Well, let's um, talk. Let's hey, talk. If I could, if I could, could I tell you real quick? The other people of our Western writer process. Yeah, I didn't tell you this. I was good, just going to ask Chris you that. <laughs> does a great job with women of the West. Um, there's Sh- Sherry Monahan, and she's written a lot about oh, Tombstone yeah. and uh, does a lot of uh, good work that way, nonfiction. And then Monty McCord, who writes both fiction and nonfiction, uh, Old West. I uh, came out with a book on. Um, uh, the stock detectives of the West. So um, th- there's plenty of different 
things uh, when we, you know, come around on this tour and in, in, uh, next week. So anyway, I just thought thought I'd better get that in there before I forget. You okay. run out of time. Our t-shirt, our t-shirt's going to be available. <laughs> um, hey, can you guys mix them up? <laughs> yeah, right. I thought that uh, you know, Chris, Chris is quite the marketer. I thought maybe she'd come up with that. <laughs> uh, she's probably she's I know. probably I'll, got I'll, some t-shirts. I'll, I'll well, uh, the, what, what, like we've been talking about, the Western Riders of America Convention is set to be hold, held here in Tucson, June 19 through the 22. Bill, talk about what one of these uh, gatherings is all about. It's um, it's uh, for me. It's it's one of the high points of the year for me. I, I liken it to. Uh, you know the old mountain man rendezvous where they where all the old trappers came down from out of the hills and got together and swapped tall tales and uh, you know and had a good time and uh, learned something and that's that's what we do. Uh, there's sessions on you know there'll be sessions on local history uh, of the uh, of the Tucson area. Uh, there'll be sessions on on how to write better and uh, there'll be all kinds of people coming in from. Actually, worldwide, we get people from uh, England and other places that uh, come to the convention. So it's just a great bunch of people. And if if somebody wants to come to it, um, they're they're taking. Re- you can still register, but you have to register on site. So you'd have to mm-hmm. go to the um, was it Hilton Tucson East? I think yeah. it is. Yeah. Is how you, well, you're going to spend a day out in Old Tucson, is. right? Yeah, uh, on Friday, I think it's an Old Tucson day. Yeah. And I was looking at the schedule. They got some neat stuff going on mm-hmm. out there. The panels and whatnot. Our friend Doug Hawking's going to be doing a panel. Uh, you know, everybody's going to be doing panels. You're doing a panel, aren't you, Bill? Yeah, Doug. Tell us yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, uh, Doug's. Um, Doug's. Uh, I'm doing a session, um, a breakfast session on how to write for magazines. And Doug's got a panel on tombstones. So uh, there's yeah. all kinds of stuff going on so it goes too fast (laughs) yeah you know your testimony on how important uh the wwa is you to you and your your uh career uh in the time we got left could you kind of give us a little rundown on that because i thought that was a good story in itself well i'll tell you i i wouldn't be here talking you to you today if it wasn't for western writers of america i mean they really have um you know, opened up doors for me to, um, you know, get into, you know, big publishing houses and writing for magazines and that sort of thing. And, and I, I figure if I can do it, anybody can do it. You just have to have the, you know, the, the gumption and you stick with it. You know, when people tell you, no, you just press on and keep doing it. You know? So, um, and Western writers has given me so many great opportunities. I've, you know, made lifelong friends through Western writers. So um, it's great, yeah. a great organization. Well, anybody who can lead a troop of Boy Scouts to Japan <laughs> uh, can handle anything. <laughs> <laughs> a great place. I would like to go back there someday. Yeah. Very there's nice a, people. There's, there's a there. book by itself on, on tending on they herding have their, cats. They have their own one. They have a, a theme park over there, a Wild West theme park in Did Japan. Really? Wow. Have um, you ever seen a Japanese I, Yeah, Western? I didn't go... I didn't go to it, but um, and there, some of our Western writers are from Japan too. So nice, they love nice. the West. Yeah, Kung Fu Cowboy. Well, you know, <laughs> everybody, every, you know, everybody. I think loves the West to some degree. I know in Germany they have uh, theme Carl parks, May, Carl May Village. Yeah, theme parks set up uh, like you described in Japan. Uh, Germans yeah. are, are way big into American westerns. The English are well into uh, American Westerns. I remember... Uh, That's one of the rest areas of res- for research material yeah. is England. I, I, one of the guys that we had on the show uh, from Wales uh, just... Yeah. He, he found he found our show through through a podcast, and uh, we got him on the show, to, and he writes Western uh, novels, and, and he's in Wales. He's never been to the United States, but he still manages to, to put out a, a really good product as well, so... Hey, Game of Thrones is yeah, just a western with of, dragons. You yeah. think of Joseph uh, Joseph Rosa? He, uh, you know, was the top biographer of uh, well, Bill Hickok. He's from Great Britain, so mm-hmm. he's yeah. dead now, but he's yeah. from Great Britain. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. 
Well, that's about it for this edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Uh, Bill Markley, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, Bill. It's yeah. been, it's well, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on. And we will certainly be looking forward to seeing you at uh, the Western Writers' Convention in just a couple of weeks. And I got my list. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you again, Bill. Coming up next week, yeah, on uh, next time on uh, Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, it's uh, going to be um, Candy Bolton. She is, uh, she is putting all this thing together here. So we'll talk then. Thanks and see ya. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West.